Ladies and gentlemen, a piece of strawberry history now that will never be repeated. I'm going to hand over to the Sean and I. Thank you, everybody. Welcome back to the Consequences podcast with Paul McNulty and Sean McCreevy. Welcome everyone back to the podcast. Today we've got a really special one. We are in the most amazing place today, uh, the Plaza in Stockport, which is just the most stunning, beautiful uh, Art Deco theatre for an extremely special evening, Strawberry Studios Forever. And we're delighted to say that we're going to kick off with two special guests, one of whom is very familiar to to our, our listeners, Peter Wadsworth, but we welcome a, a new podder uh, to the fold today, John Barrett, um, who's, if you like, the driving force behind this this fantastic evening. Welcome, chaps. Thank you. Hi there. Yeah, good, hi. To, good to be involved. Yeah, brilliant. Why are we here today, John? Well, we're here to uh, celebrate the amazing musical legacy of Strawberry Studios, um, which... Uh, I've personally been obsessed with since I was a young teenager. Uh, growing up in Stockport, I was aware that Strawberry was was in the town centre. Which, um, you know, growing up in a town like Stockport, you don't necessarily expect that a world class recording studio uh, with amazing artists like Ten CC um, are going to be in your town so being obs- I've always been obsessed with music a uh, massive music fan when I was a teenager I wanted to work at Strawberry Studios and uh, <laughs> they, were sens- yeah, they, they were sensible enough not to want me uh, I phoned them up and asked if I could be a tea boy and um, I got a, a nice a gentle rejection <laughs> so I thought right I, I'm going to work there one day somehow so I went on a bit of a journey uh, um, doing varying things uh, I was a young actor. Um, I was in Coronation Street when I was um, 12 years old. Uh-huh. Um, I was uh, Rita Fairclough's uh, stepson. I was in the very first episode of, I was in the pilot episode of Last of the Summer Wine. Oh, here we go. <laughs> and I, I was the only one that didn't get kept on. <laughs> So I was, as a young teenager, I was um, an avid record collector. Uh, I was a Northern Soul fan. And then I became um, a really obsessive David Bowie fan. And in my efforts to increase my David Bowie collection, I started to buy and sell records. This, this, this took me to having a, a mail order business. And then I used to do a lot of record fairs. And then I ended up opening a, a record shop in Manchester called The Record Peddler in uh, 1980. And then uh, I've always been obsessed with bands, always wanted to be involved with bands. And having no talent of my own, uh, the only way that I could possibly be involved was to to be a manager of a band, which I did. I became a manager of a band uh, in a Manchester band called Syncopation, uh, put a record out by them on on my own label, which was called Facsimile Liaisons, which was my attempt at a joke. as an expensive joke, actually, it cost me about 10 grand. But it was my parody of Factory Communications, mm. which I thought was a little bit pretentious. So uh, I did that as a bit of a gag. 
But um, I've been paying for it ever since. <laughs> Do you mean the uh, factory didn't like that idea and, and came after you or for some other... Do you, know, do you know what? The truth of it is, I actually put an advert in the, the back of the NME saying, for sale, and because I, cause I knew sort of what made people buy and sell, you know, buying and selling records, I knew that if somebody saw something that looked like it had a credibility of being a rare record, that they would be interested in it. Mm-hmm. So I was aware of the, the, the records at the time that were worth money. So uh, that was Capital Radio by The Clash, um, Stretch Case Baby by The Damned, which was a, was a free giveaway record, and Atmosphere on Sordid Sentimental, which was a, a factory record. So I placed an advert saying, um, for sale, Capital Radio, 30 quid, Stretch Case Baby, uh, 15 quid, uh, Atmosphere, I think it was 30 quid or something. And I put my own record in there, uh, uh, <laughs> syncopation on five seven eight on for ten pound, mm. right? Knowing that people would see that and think this is a rare record, you know what I mean? And I, I can buy it. factory did was was brilliant and I think what Tony Wilson did but I think that at the time being involved in the sort of music myself on, on, a, on, a, on a parochial level you, there was always a there was a jealousy but there was always that sort of you know he was the bloke on the telly and they were like oh you know building the hacienda and it was all oh, you know it's all a bit cliquey and a bit sort of as it turned out it was brilliant I mean and the city wouldn't have uh, looked like it does now but maybe maybe that's not a good thing <laughs> but um yeah, so I, I got involved in music, started managing bands, and I ended up, um, couldn't afford Strawberry at the time, I think, you know, even though they used to do downtime. Um, and I, I recorded my band in a place called Cavalier Studios right. uh, in Stockport, which was a 16 track, a guy called Lol Cooper, which is quite near Strawberry. But it was always my ambition to, you know, to get inside Strawberry. And uh, through my record shop, I ended up managing a local DJ called Mike Sweeney. Oh yes, we've, we've had a chat with Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Mike was co-managed. I got I got friendly with Mike, and he saw that what I was doing with um, putting adverts in the back of the enemy. No, he saw what I was doing with um, my band, Syncopation, and I, I got them. You know, I was getting really good press. I, I knew that if you bought uh, journalists uh, lots of uh, alcohol, that they you know usually write pretty good re- reviews of your band yeah. if you got them drunk enough. And you know, Mike was like, "Oh, you know, what you're doing is great. Would you mind, you know, would you like to manage his band, the Salford Jets?" And he was a great guy, and I love the Jets. You know, uh, they were pretty straight ahead, sort of punky rock and roll. And uh, I started booking uh, gigs for him, and he said, "Oh, you know, you should become partners with my uh, manager, who was Rick Dixon, who was the uh, you know one of the co-managers of of 10CC, and was a you know involved with Strawberry Studios." So I ended up being in the management company and went to work inside Strawberry Studios. So it was all worth it. It was all (laughs) worth it. Wow. Fantastic roundabout journey, but you got there in the end. I got there in the end, and that's where I met um, Peter Tattersall. Right. Uh, Peter obviously was, was there. 
This would have been about 1984. So was Peter Tattersall still working at Strawberry? Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he was working with a, a young singer called Katrina. Not the Katrina that was uh, with, with uh, Terry Hall in... Oh, right. in um, Colourfield. Great band, that show. Yeah. So they recorded that at, at Strawberry. And at the Katrina that was in that, I knew, I knew her really well. She, she was lived in Stockport. She's a great girl. If you ever think of me, I'll be thinking of you. If you decide to change your view, I'm thinking of you. Went into Strawberry and then I managed bands that recorded at Strawberry as well. Managed a local band called The Porch Party that worked there um, and so got, to, you know, got to know a lot of the guys there. And obviously, you know, all the staff were brilliant, all the guys that were doing the uh, the young engineers. And I worked with Richard um, Scott, Richard Scott um, on a, with a band called The Glee Company. Mm. Which we, uh, you know, uh, worked on, which did, did, he did some fantastic. And Mike, Mike Timoney on keyboards, that was really great. So it was just to then get inside Strawberry and have a band that we're recording there and sort of be involved in that was just for me, that was like a dream come true. Too right. So yeah, it was, it was you know, that, that, that's sort of my long journey of how, you know, I got inside. Uh, the, the, the walls of Strawberry Studios. Wonderful. You know? I'm, I'm fascinated by the, the, the album project. I mean, this is effectively a kind of charity gig, isn't it, tonight? Raising money for a really special project. We've been doing projects in for the last 10 years in Stockport, uh, creative projects, working with um, young bands particularly. Uh, we had an arts, sense, arts cafe called Seven Miles Out, which we had for five years. And um, being obsessed with Strawberry... I've always tried to incorporate uh, ideas with Strawberry. And I've lent on uh, Peter next to me here, who's not doing much talking because I'm <laughs> doing all the yapping. So I've always, uh, you know, our friendship with Peter goes back to when Peter was doing his... You, you talk, you, you tell. People probably already know about your, your Dr. Strawberry. <laughs> well, yeah, so did a PhD in Strawberry and... Then in 2017, obviously, we put on the 50th anniversary exhibition in Stockport Museum. And we wanted to promote that as many ways as possible, not just be stuck in the museum. So turn to people like John, because John provided the seven miles out venue and the enthusiasm and the organisational ability to allow us to put events on that complemented the exhibition. So one that stuck in my memory today is we had Richard Scott and CJ um, just chatting about what it meant to be people who worked in Strawberry mm. and we just spent an afternoon with people firing questions so it was all things like that so that's where I'm not sure that's the first time I came across you John but, No, um, the first time was I replied to an e either um, an advert you put in yeah. asking for anyone who'd been involved with Strawberry Studios because yeah. I managed a band called Easter House yeah. who recorded in Strawberry with Martin Hannett although the truth be told I wasn't managing them at the time. Uh, they did four songs with Martin.
working with Martin was quite challenging at the time because he was um, he was quite experimental <laughs> in, in, every, in every way with, with everything. So I think he was experimenting with a few things in the studio as well as the, as well as the technical aspects. Yes. And the, the lead guitarist of the band, uh, Ivor Perry, said to me that when he was mixed, the, the sound that he got, he said it sounded like his guitars sounded like bees buzzing. And it didn't really work out, so they ended up going with Ian Brody. Actually, uh, we once put, we bumped into Sir Martin on the train, and he wasn't too happy about the fact. The concert that we're doing tonight, Strawberry Studios Forever, I originally did five years ago, called Strawberry Studios Stockport, and. Uh, I, I always wanted to do I always wanted to do the idea of a, a concert and a compilation album of songs recorded at Strawberry all the classic songs obviously like you know Love Will Tear Us Apart and 10cc I'm Not In Love and um, you know the list is endless uh, the Smiths you know did This Charming Man at Strawberry it's a great story about it and uh, you know that is probably their uh, definitive sound I would say you know in terms of you know, those, the guitar sound and everything that, that Johnny did. I mean, they were an amazing band and uh, that, that's a great track. And um, so I always wanted to do um, that sort that idea. And then I did it originally as a fundraiser for Seven Miles Out to stay open because um, we, were, we originally had some funding which had run out and, and we'd built up such a great community that the only way to keep going was to, was to raise funds, um, you know, by calling on young musicians to play for free. <laughs> yeah, of yeah, and we kept it going, and we did, we kept it going for another three years. It was a great concert. So um, we didn't do the album, but then um, now we're going to do a vinyl album. We've already started recording it with um, young producers who are in a band called Fuzzy Sun, uh, who are Stockport-based, mm-hmm. um, who are good friends of Blossoms and have toured with Blossoms. And um, they've been really supportive uh, with all the young bands. So we're doing songs um, recorded by the Happy Mondays. Uh, I want to be adored by the Stone Roses, which was recorded Martin Hannett producing. Uh, New Order, Ceremony. Uh, it's been, they're all being done by you know young local bands and um, yeah so it's really exciting uh, and this concert is basically a lot of those bands playing those songs tonight Brilliant. so yeah and, and the, the album itself will be released um, sometime in the new year Hello Stockport! Welcome to the wonderful plaza for Strawberry Studios Forever, which I'm sure you know, we're here to celebrate that fantastic studio that we were lucky enough to have in our town. So um, the story of Strawberry, you know, it made its own history uh, when the studio was uh, running from 67 until 93. But since then, uh, someone who's kept the legacy alive massively and someone I have a great deal of admiration for is uh, a gentleman I'm going to bring on. Now, this gentleman, he did the Strawberry Studios exhibition 
uh, Strawberry 50 at the Stockport Museum. Did anybody here go and see that? And uh, he's a great guy. He's a, he's a, there are two pizzas that are very important to the Strawberry Studio story. And this is the second pizza in a way. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, please give a really warm welcome for Peter Wadsworth, or, as his official title is, Dr. Strawberry. So, from a strawberry history point of view, the most, well, the most exciting thing, apart from the Sean and I, obviously. I've yeah, seen them, they're the gizmo. Yeah, they're rubbish, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. they're playing a the gizmo, so that's going to be yeah. really interesting. But the other thing that really intrigues me, and John's kind of set this up, I don't know how, is that we've got Selkep performing. I'll put that in inverted commas. I don't know what that actually means yet. But um, so Selkep was the wife of Ramesses, who of course recorded at Strawberry in 71, uh, Space Hymns. Great album. Um, he sadly, of course, passed away. And I wouldn't have thought that she would be still um, pushing or promoting that, but uh, apparently she's re-recorded a track which she will be performing as in the track will play and she's doing some extra bits and I've got no idea what that means but I'm so excited to see that. Expect the unexpected. Expect well, the unexpected. I am expecting the unexpected. Yeah. It's life child, isn't it? It yeah. is life child so, the track. Yeah. That, that's the highlight of the album, isn't it? That, that yeah, track. it's cool. It's yeah. really cool. And I mean, I remember when I first discovered the, you know, the fact that Ramesses had recorded uh, an album uh, at Strawberry Studios and the 10cc before they were 10cc were the ba the backing band and obviously they're on there doing vocals as well and it, that, that whole thing is, is a, it's a really good album yeah. and the story behind it you know that uh, you know he thought he was the reincarnation of Ramesses and I, I, the first thing I've read was that he was a heating engineer from Sheffield and it just all sounded so crazy and it but really, it's true yeah yeah really interesting of course it was you're the only one, Joe, the only one, you're the only one, Joe, the only one, you're the only one, Joe, the only one. I got a phone call, uh, for, I, I was on, I was in Anglesey on a beach, oh the, this is Philip Lisberg, so I said, Harvey's son, I said, you're not Harvey's son are you, and he said yeah, yeah. so I said oh that's, that's cool yeah, he said I'm phoning up about the concert, and Harvey managed Ramesses and Philip uh, now runs Harvey's website and still um, has contact with Selket. So I got chatting to him and he was really intrigued with what was going on with the concert. So he said, what about having her on uh, at the concert? And I thought, oh, I, I love the idea of things that are a little bit different. And the thing is, Strawberry was, the word eclectic could have been invented for, for the output of uh, music that was at Strawberry. From the sublime to the ridiculous, really. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, from football songs to, you know, all sorts of, you know, local choirs to world-class music. Yes. So uh, I thought having something that was eclectic and, and with such a strawberry history and legacy, I, I thought we couldn't, I couldn't say no to. So um, it's, it's genius, actually. <laughs> It's by Philip Lisberg, not by me. Yeah, beautifully obscure. How did you persuade Selkett to perform? I mean, in fact, has she ever performed live? Did Ramesses do concerts? I don't think they did, did they? Philip came up, they'd done some sort of updated version of Life Child with added vocals, which I've heard, by Selkett, which are quite interesting. 
and she's going to do an interview and she's going to um, do some ad-libs over the top. Wow. So it'll be, you know, pretty interesting. <laughs> and there's a video to go with it. Is okay. there? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah a video um, sort of montage that they put together themselves with, 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 with lyrics and stuff and images from the album sleeve and, you know, the original images from... And, and the story about that album that, that intrigued me as well is that the, the front cover which was famously done by Roger Dean, who was obviously iconic for doing all the covers by Yes and Ossie Bisa and Asia, I read the other day. Budgie. Budgie, did you do Budgie? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I might have seen that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah brilliant. And the Ramesses one is the biggest sleeve he ever designed, yeah, I yeah. think. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty impressive. And it's the, the biggest one that Roger Dean ever did. And that's St. George's Church. Exactly. Depicted of. So exactly. St. George's Church, which is two minutes from here. Yeah. And he, and he turned it into, into Thunderbird 3, yeah, yeah, didn't he? It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. brilliant. Yeah. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce Selkert. It's our great pleasure. It's absolutely gorgeous. Welcome back to Stockport. How does it feel? Thank you. Um, well, it feels amazing. Um, it's so different from when I was here, what, 50 years ago or so? <laughs> um, yeah, it's just incredible. Uh, things have moved on, <laughs> which they have, haven't they? Um, it was a wonderful experience. It was wonderful for us to be, you know, to be able to come up here and record uh, from Harvey and, and to meet the boys. <laughs> if I may call them boys, <laughs> they can, were then. Yeah. <laughs> we, we all were. <laughs> can we ask you about your experience, not only of, of working with what would become 10CC, just months after the, the recording of that wonderful Space Hymns album? Um, we've got lots of listeners who love it. Um, it's 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 on exactly on the right side of strange and progressive and creative and spiritual. Uh, it's a fascinating record. Tell us about your experience of making it. Um, yes, it was very difficult because to get over how we felt about the songs and, and, and really what we wanted to, to, to uh, put over with, with the lyrics and with, with the way it was. Um, but I thought they did fantastic. It, it wasn't never it's exactly what you think it's going to be or what you think you should be hearing with, with what music you've done. Uh, but... I mean, it turned out amazing, and they really, really worked hard, and they're very talented, very talented. And then we had a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it was it was serious, very serious at times, but you know, they they did brilliant. And they're a real bunch of in individuals, aren't they? Oh, <laughs> yes, very much so. Yeah, they are. Anyone stick out for you in your memory? Any any members of the band you think uh, were exceptional in some way or another? Well, they were all all sort of different people, weren't they? They they were different. Um, it came over in different ways. I mean, Lowell came over like a court jester, you know, he was full of fun and jumping about all over the place, but he turned out some beautiful things on the piano and different things, he had ideas and, and yeah, he always came over with something which was really great. I, I felt quite close to Kevin because he was very quiet and more spiritual in a way, 
Um, he just felt that way. I could, like a biblical figure, you know, I mean, that's how he came over to me, I can't help it. Um, yeah, and, and, and um, Graham was, he, he just keeps things going, you know, I mean, he's a fabulous musician and everything, and he good ideas and what have you, but he's much more sort of down to earth, if you like, mm. and more of a straight sort of, very serious and, you know, let's get this job done. Um, maybe not quite as hard as that, but you know, that sort of thing. And then of course we had Eric, which was really, he was the technician, wasn't he? So he was dashing in and out of the, out of the, um, the, the control room. And, um, and then, uh, you know, he said, oh, I've got an idea there. I'll put a riff, can I, you know, and he'd come out with his guitar and play this fantastic guitar, you know, which was amazing. And then he said, just dash off and <laughs> do the machines and do that. So like yeah, he was like a like catalyst really. Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. And he's like a catalyst and kept the whole thing in tidy and kept everybody together on track. Yes. Yeah. And of course, Pete, so, Pete Tattersall would be sitting in the chair when Eric was inside the, the studio, wouldn't he? I'm not sure. I think at times he used to have to leave it running and then run back. Oh my word. Really? Yes, I think I'm <laughs> correct in saying that. I hope nobody minds me saying that. No, but, absolutely. But, um, yeah. Fabulous um, perspective there. And um, are, you, are you able to just give away a few secrets of what you're going to be doing tonight? Um, well, I've re-recorded uh, a number on the, on the album, which was done 50 years ago at Strawberry Studios. And we've added a whole piece onto it with um, some what can I say, it's not exactly lyrics, it's messages really, I think for us all, you know, what's been coming to me very seriously, these messages, and I thought I've got to write them down because I feel about it very deeply about what we have to do because we are in trouble, the planet's in trouble, let's face it, and I think we've got to get very serious about it and we've got to be very uh, positive not have any negativity at all and and get other people that are negative to try and bring them around to be positive that we need to do something hey look stop all that and if we all do it and we all pull together uh, i'm sure we can make a good go of this the world might not quite the same when it's done but i think it will be a better place we need we need to do something and listen to the young people we have to listen to the children the children know and it's their, their world, don't forget. We're messing their world up that we brought them into. And we have got to try and help them and listen to them. And I think they will, if we listen hard enough, they will, they will, they will lead us of what to do. I'm sure of it. So I, I think it's gonna be a very interesting time, but I think all us oldies have actually got to uh, start being very positive yeah, and listening and, to and our listening kids. and listening and acting yeah. not just listening and oh yeah yeah that will go away it doesn't go away each and every one of us save our planet life child have joy and light where you live life child seek and you will find the answer life child Peace and unity all over the world. Life child, think with your heart. Life child, to lead and guide, hope must survive. Life
you in politics. We need a leader. Well, you know. <laughs> we desperately need a leader. Well, I, I just say what my heart tells me. I mean, I really mean that. Giving help to other people and helping each other. That's what we need to do. More of community spirit. Because with community spirit, you grow. And people, when you get people together, they talk to each other. And they then talk about things they can do and they can organise and that's how it goes. You don't need piles of money for that. And let's face it, we're in a, we're in a city now, if we can class Stockport as part of Greater Manchester, apologies for Stockport residents, but the cooperative was, was invented here in Manchester. We need to get that's back right. to that, don't we? Exactly, we do need to get back to that. And what a wonderful thing was mm. that, that happened then. Because it was out of London, it was up here, it was for you, it was with people in the north, it was fantastic. I mean, I'm, I'm bred and born in Polstead, and, uh, you know, that's, that's a million miles away from here. My, my husband was a Sheffield man, and we were like poles apart, really. Uh, but somehow it worked. It and, certainly did. Yeah, and and I, I don't know. He inspired me, and I think I inspired him. So that was a good team. Unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, life sometimes take people early, and maybe it was meant he was meant to go back. He always said, "I shouldn't have come here. I need to go back." And, and I said, well, you know, no, he said, I shouldn't have come. I shouldn't have come. Well, now I realise more and more and more what he was meaning. And I now know that I am here. And so I have to do the work that I know he would want, be wanting me to do. Do you see? So, so for me, it strengthens it. And also, if you look at the album cover, it's got lavender. It's got lavender colour in the background and we're in a cornfield and that's the staff of life, bread and corn. And now I'm saying I hold lavender now because I want to heal the planet and it is a healer and it cleanses. Everyone knows the properties of lavender and it's on the album cover and when I realised and saw that it struck me, my goodness me, and I'm doing this now, I'm meant to be doing this. I The other half of Ramesses and Selkirk. Ramesses is probably listening and I'm here and he's saying, well done, well done Selkirk, keep, <laughs> keep going. Here, here, and he will be listening and yeah. um, you inspired each other and your music is inspirational. We, we love the record, all oh, of us. That's it's, it's a cracker, it really is. We can change. to add about your your journey uh, with Selkirk? Uh, well, my journey, it, it really arose from a phone call from Harvey. Um, I think Selkirk was just wanted to try and uh, sort out some finances and and uh, I said, yeah, I'll help. And um, 
it's kind of moved on from there and we've kind of we've done all kinds of things that we never really was part of the the idea it's and it just, just all came it just seems like it's from made. nowhere so we've you know done some new recordings and she's fabulous and she's got this amazing voice and this amazing speaking voice and yeah. so clear and such a strong message and all these uh, wonderful attributes that I never really expected so maybe it was preordained after all um, mm. getting together for one purpose it was repurposed into a, a more of an artistic collaboration so maybe it was meant to be yeah and we've come a 50-year cycle, haven't we, today? And that's quite, it feels quite important. It is, isn't it? 50 years is quite, in, in anybody's, um, whatever they're doing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Did you mention that we, we met Selkit? Paul? Oh, no, oh, yeah. I didn't. That, <laughs> wow. That was... Ramesses and Selkit, yeah. actually... She came to a gig that we did. Oh, it was quite a few years ago in um, oh, yeah. in Buxton. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. She's a, a force of nature, isn't she? Yeah. 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 She's still. The, she didn't. Uh, she's. You know. Um, she's got a very strong message. That and she opened the show, and she didn't actually sing. She just stood there with a kind of in this beautiful kind of white dress with a, a sh uh, some lavender in each hand she stood there vibing i think you'd call it while they wow. played while they played life child oh, um, right. so so that was I love that yeah. track. It's, a oh, it's a great track, track. it's a great, great track, track. Yeah. yeah that that album was it was um was quite something i mean mm. the, the whole recording of it and everything mm. Oh yeah, um, we we I could talk about that again so yeah it was a, a quite an ex experimental um uh, recording i think yeah. isn't it yeah, I mean, really, led by um, uh, Ramesses himself, who was also a force of nature, a very charismatic uh, man. Mm. Um, had us, me and Kevin Lowell, believing in Egypt, you know, going down the Egyptology route um, right away. It was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Brilliant. Yeah, he does. He sounded like an absolute character. And it was yeah. interesting hearing Selkut talk about the four what would become the, the the members of 10cc as well graham she had yeah. a, she had a a kind of a neat little summary of all four members it was quite a, guess uh, guess who these are right there was the um, <laughs> the, the comedian lol yeah um the spiritual one eric no actually no, a quiet that's... quiet and spiritual uh that could be me i guess yeah, no, no, you were, you were the serious and professional one. Oh right, no, yeah. Okay. And um, and Eric was this kind of uh, everywhere at the same time octopus kind of character. Probably talking wow. about his engineering, zipping from engineering oh, to yes, to, to the booth. But yeah. it was it was fascinating hearing her, her feedback there. Now, obviously, we've had a couple of people that were going to take part in tonight's show, who unfortunately have not been able to make it for varying reasons. Um, and one of those people who's an absolutely fantastic human being, and that is Mr. Clint Boone. Say it for Clint Boone. Boone Arnie! Now, Clint introduced the show when we did it five years ago, and the reason why he said he'd come along today, because he's a big fan of this band. This band that are going to play next, Derailer, 
who I'm a big fan of as well. They're involved in the Strawberry Forever, Strawberry Studios Forever vinyl album project, and they've done an inspiral carpet track called Caravan, which they're going to play. But first off, I think you're going to do a 10cc song. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, let's hear it for Derailer! How's it you today? I'm in trouble, please put me away. I found a girl that I couldn't pay. I fell in love and I drove it away. I fell in love and I drove it away. I fell in love and I drove it away. I fell in love and I drove it away. That's going to happen now while they change the gear. So I'm really lucky in that a lot of people that I've known in my life have gone on to be really successful and famous. I haven't, but they have. And one of those people is a good friend of mine. I first met him when he was 14 at my ex-girlfriend's house, won Eurovision Song Contest night. But that is a long story. So I'm not going to tell it now, but I'm going to introduce you to the star and co-writer, one of the co-stars and co-writers of a programme which and I'm sure you all know, but I've got to tell you this, he won, does anyone know the Royal Family? Great programme written by, as we all know, Craig Cash and Carolina Hearn. But there is another writer who wrote one of the specials and he won a BAFTA. And he's also the co-writer and co-star of the amazing Early Doors. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce my good friend, Phil Neely, my showbiz friend. Too many broken hearts have fallen in the river. Too many lonely seas have drifted out to sea. You lay your bets and then you pay the price. The things we do for love, the things we do for love. Communication is a problem to the answer. You got a number in your hand is on the phone. The weather's turned and all the lights are down. The things we do for love, the things we do for love. I'm not in love, so don't forget it. It's just a silly phase I'm going through. And just because I call you up, don't get me wrong, don't think you've got it made, I'm not in love, no, no, it's because... Ladies and gentlemen, a big round of applause you can for 11 hours, cheers. Yeah. 
involved in the fund because he knew the work that we were doing was tell him all about our ambition to do this project strawberry studios forever and do a vinyl album and because he was supporting young people because he was you know able to sort of if you like keep them out of all the wrong things in life we uh, managed to get some funding from the high sheriff so ladies and gentlemen i want to give a big round of applause to Eamon and the high sheriff thank you so now and the other reason why we've asked Eamon to come today is because this young lady that's going to perform now, I'm biased because she's on our record label and I know she's amazing. But Eamon has worked with her on other projects, so he's going to introduce her. Thank you. Get a word in edgeways here. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is Billy. And on the other side of Billy is a, a beautiful and very, very talented artist who Phil mentioned earlier is Phil's daughter. Who was born a year after Strawberry Studios closed. As John said, she signed to Seven Miles Out Records. You'll have heard her across all the radio stations, including on our own programme on BBC Radio Manchester. Ladies and gentlemen, live me! Thank you so much. Very exciting. Um, I was born after Strawberry Studios closed, but I kind of feel like a bit of an imposter here. Um, but of course, I know all the iconic bands, like uh, 10BB. Um, so, my dad told me to say that one. Uh, we're going to sing a couple of Joy Division songs for you tonight, and I really hope you enjoy. This first one is Love Will Tear Us Apart. She's lost control again. She's lost control again. 
Delighted to say that we've got the very Dr. Uke uh, in the room with us. Uh, welcome, gents. Hello. Hi. And um, really enjoyed your sound check. We'll uh, we'll hear a burst of that in a second. It sounded really great. Tell us why you're here tonight. Well, we've been playing as Dr. Uke and as Stockport ukulele players, um, which is where we met um, at John's Seven Miles Out and at. Folk festivals and Foodie Friday, almost since it started. So it's much more to do with John and Rosemary than it yeah. is Strawberry Studios for us, to be honest with you. We're all too young to remember Strawberry Studios. <laughs> uh, not quite don't know about that. <laughs> no, although we have had some drunken nights in the Waterloo. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, so yeah. you are old then. <laughs> that was demolished a while ago. <laughs> it was, yeah. I mean, that was, that was fun. We, we did play one night in the Waterloo and uh, I was able to introduce a song by just saying the original version of this song was recorded over there. Wow. Nice. So, uh, yeah. And, and why the Ramones? Uh, you're doing a Ramones track tonight. Um, well, we did a similar event five years ago and we did that song five years ago and um, John Bauer definitely wanted us to do something from that Ramones album. So that was mm. the one we chose. And it's... Since we did it, it's been in and out of our set lists, and so they've asked us to do it again tonight. So that's what we're doing. No, oh, I can't wait to hear that because that's a great album, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the Ramones had a bit of a falling out, as yes. I understand, and the vocals were recorded here with Graham, weren't that's they? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You'd Why? like to have been in the Waterloo then. That's what I'm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> did I hear right that they're going to put a big mural of 10cc on a wall next to next to the Waterloo where it used to be? There's apparently there's a there's a, a brick building, and they've got the same artist that did the mural of of Marcus Rashford is going to do a mural oh, of 10 cc right. just around yeah. the corner. So that would be amazing. There's various ones going up in the Stockport at the moment. Yeah, it's probably Jimi Hendrix one somewhere, and I've seen another one going up somewhere. It seems over the last month or so. so. Yeah, because yeah, Hendrix amazing. famously played on the on the, well above the mound of earth that is now that used to be. Um, what was the name of the club, Hendrix? That was the Tabernacle, was it? I believe so. That's yes. right. Yes, yeah. that's right. We also played at the Sinking Ship, okay. which is just well, just off Underbank. Uh, yeah, that's no longer there. I think that's a hairdresser's now. Sure. Tell us about Rubber Bullets and, your, and your, your, the reason for your choice for that cracking tune. Um, well, we were given our choice of 10cc songs for this. Um, actually, going back to five years ago, um, somebody in the old Seven Miles Out venue asked me what songs we were doing. And I told them what we were doing. And she just turned around and said, why aren't you doing Rubber Bullets? <laughs> You'd be the perfect band to do Rubber Bullets. So um, I think that was, that was why I wanted to do it. I mean, I can't speak for the rest, but I think it, it kind of fits in with what we do, put up tempo, quite sort of drives along. Although being 10cc, it's a bit more complicated than that. Yeah. <laughs> it's got weird bits in it. Uh, all 10cc yeah. music has, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like the, I like the novelty, dare I use that word, of, of having a kind of a lead ukulele player in a, in a rock band. I think that's a really kind of novel idea. Uh, well, I mean, you're calling me the lead. I should say that I'm only playing lead on this one. I mean, uh, we've, 
those sort of things get swapped around the band. But we were all members of Stockport Ukulele Players, which is the, the uh, local ukulele group. Uh, my first public appearance with them was actually here on stage at the oh. plaza. There was 24 of us all in a line. And um, it was a bit of a nightmare because one end of the line couldn't hear the other. <laughs> and uh, one end of the line finished two bars ahead of the other in one song. So, so yeah, we are part of a larger ukulele group, but with sort of an offshoot, a semi-official offshoot yeah. from Stockport Ukulele Players. Well, we started off as a, tried to start off as a Dr. Feelgood tribute band. Ah. On the basis of it's 12-bar blues, it's easy. <laughs> we can do that. Yeah. Um, but then we morphed, we do all sorts of That's stuff. That's when Dr. Uke originally yeah. 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 We only played Dr. Feelgood songs, then we ran out of them. Yeah. yeah. And of course, we're all coming back to live music after a long time off. Um, so it's great uh, to be to feel more free and to play at a, particularly at a prestigious venue like this. Isn't yeah. It? And Paul and I, but we, we re-dipped our toe last night, didn't we? But that was my first gig in a couple of years. Yeah, uh, same year. We played a, 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 little, a little bar in Chalton. Yeah. And so rusty, crikey. So rusty. Our first rehearsal was embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and your first rehearsal after lockdown. Yeah. I thought, well, we, we can't do it. Yeah. We just can't do it anymore. Well, that's <laughs> what rehearsals are for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, total paralysis and brain brain death. But uh, chaps, enjoy the show tonight and uh, break a leg and all that. Thanks very much. Thanks, Thanks so much. much. Thank you very yeah. much. Nice talking to you. Cheers. Hi guys. This is a Ramon song, you know, it starts. One, two, three, four. We loved uh, the, the job you did at the gig uh, was amazing, Baz. Uh, I, I don't know quite how you juggled all of that. What were your thoughts on that on that lovely event? Um, I, I, I we did one before, which was a little bit confusing. John asked me to do it as um, the way he first asked me to do it. He said, "I want you to do the sound for the gig and run the stage," and I said, "I don't think that'll work. I, I'll run the stage." Um, and also, I was I was doing sound for one of the bands, The High, who recorded at Strawberry, mm. and they're old friends of mine. 
Um, so it was the first one was a little bit more. I mean, it was very ambitious. I think it was a bit honed down. So my job really was stage manager. I was pleasantly surprised by the interest in it, and also it. I saw friends and family of the studio who I hadn't seen. This was at the first one. Um, who you know, people and saw relatives of people who, who passed away and. It was a, it was quite a moving event that I didn't expect, and this one w- was very similar, except there were less bands on, and I I was I I had a little bit more control over the stage management, <laughs> yeah. um, which so I had my friend Chris Oliver come in, who was a fantastic backline technician, and uh, I got my son Isaac to come and help out, because that was kind of the spirit of the first one was like friends and family. I don't think it could because it could exist anywhere else. I think musicians in the area gravitate towards it. They know it's it was a quality place. But I think generally the community at large, if not proud of it, and I think they are, um, I think they're aware of it and its importance to the town. I mean, I wouldn't have said during the frantic few hours during the gig, <laughs> it was a, a pleasure to work at. <laughs> But it certainly is a pleasure to remember working at it. So, yeah, um, I enjoyed it. And John and Rosemary, I mean, I think people say things like they're lovely and John's really spiking, he's got loads of energy. But to make a gig like that happen, there's like an extra layer of of pride and interest. And so it was a pleasure to be involved in it. Because it was a, a little format of a lot of it was a big surprise to me. <laughs> yeah. and, um, you know, who doesn't like a surprise in their yeah, life? Absolutely. Five minutes before doors that you haven't got a high at stand. John, my gizmo won't work. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, but think... you, Chris, and, and Isaac did such a, a, an amazing job of, of, of juggling it. And um, thanks so much. I think the town and the region generally punch above its weight anyway. Yeah. Mm. But um I think there's a I think there's whatever the trendy reasons are, I just think there's a bit of um there's an energy about it and whatever else you say about John and Rosemary, especially John, there's certainly an energy about him. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Siders. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's always great when things go wrong, isn't it? Anyway, without further ado, the first song that we're playing for you is a Stone Roses tune, and it's I Wanna Be Adored. I don't have to sell my soul, he's already in me. I don't need to sell my already in me I wanna be a tool I wanna be a
to introduce on stage two gentlemen who go by the name of the Sean and I. So Sean McCreevy and Paul McNulty, come on the stage. Thank you, Peter. I'm uh, Sean and Paul is... So, now I know both of you through an amazing podcast that has been going for at least 80 episodes. Tell us a little bit about the podcast. Any listeners here, by the way? Three, brilliant! Oh, great, our listenership has just doubled, Paul. Um, well, we started it two years ago in my son's uh, bedroom. Um, just two middle-aged geeks talking about an album that nobody likes and even fewer people bought. Uh, we started talking about the Consequences album by Kevin and Lol. Do we have any fans? Oh, now that's better, that's better. Um, we absolutely adore uh, Consequences and we're gonna treat you 17 people uh, with a song from, yes, <laughs> with a song from Consequences tonight. So Paul, anything about the podcast, how it's developed, who we've talked to? Um, we've been very fortunate, it's kind of grown organically. Um, we've been um, lucky to speak to and interview Graham Gorman on multiple occasions. Uh, and we're speaking to him again next week um, about the release of his new record. We flew over to Dublin shortly before lockdown to interview Kevin Godley, which was terrific. We've inter interviewed Sir Tim Rice, Paul Gambaccini, and numerous other characters, um, front of house and behind the scenes, uh, not to mention our very own Dr. Um, Wadsworth. Um, it's great. We didn't realise it would... Um, take off the way it has. What does Sean say? Build it and they will come. And we've been very grateful that many listeners have come along and, and listened to uh, the NCC Consequences podcast. Now, the, the other thing I know you for, partly because I was there, but is the Great Stockport Bake Off. So what was the Great Stockport Bake Off? Well, thanks to you, Peter, about 18 months ago, Peter, in his inimitable dry style, says, I've got a tape in my cupboard. And, we, and of course, we're all ears. He says it's an ad for Revlon Mascara that 10CC recorded in 1976, literally a couple of weeks before they split up. And Paul and I got really, really excited about this. And uh, we thought, we've got to play it, we've got to play it. And so what we did, we, we did some research and found that we had to physically bake the tape so it became playable again, because they go all mushy 
they, they absorb moisture from the air. So Paul bought a dehumidifier, a little, tiny little oven that you'd use to dry mushrooms and stuff. And um, we stuck this big heavy tape in this oven and um, cooked it for eight hours. Overnight, so I had to get out of bed in the middle of the night to take it out of the oven so it didn't melt. And then the day after, we took it to a studio in Salford. Rennie, uh, it was the engineer who you can see in the film. Rennie, you did a marvellous job. You can watch this adventure on uh, a film that we put on YouTube called The Great Stockport Bake Off. Uh, yeah, and, um, and the story ended in a strange fashion, didn't it, Peter? You were there. It was quite something, wasn't it? It was, and we've got a treat for you because we've got the music that we pulled off the tape, which we're going to play for you. So this is 10cc two weeks before they split up the original 10cc, and this is their advert for Revlon. Natural Wonder, oil-free makeup made with pure fresh water. It's by Revlon, isn't it? Ladies and gents, 10cc. Wow. Beautiful. And the weird thing is, if you watch the video, The Great Stockport Bake Off, um, Sean and Paul and the few of us who were involved speak to Graham and Kevin afterwards and they both kind of look nonplussed and don't even remember it. So, um, a very strange ending indeed. So, have you done any other tape baking, Sean? Well, you know the answer to that question, Peter. Peter and uh, the author of a great book, Liam Newton, who's the author of 10CC, the worst band in the world, came down to my, my house in, in, in Warwickshire, sat in our man cave, and we baked and played about a dozen tapes. We found this. We thought it was just going to be a standard copy of a song that you know very, very well. But instead, it was something that nobody has ever heard. So we're going to give you a little treat here, ladies and gentlemen. This is an early demo recording of the best produced record of all time, which happened to be recorded in Strawberry in 1975. Uh, enjoy.
And that middle section, um, it's wonderful to hear that, but uh, I'm really glad that they cut it out of the final. Yeah, the final what version. genius to realise that there was too much in there and they cut it out. So, um, because they had so much time in Strawberry, they could experiment and realise that that was too much. So, we're going to have a real treat now. One of the tapes that Sean's not told you about was a demonstration tape of a device called the Gizmo. Sean, can you tell us what a gizmo is, please? <laughs> yes, uh, this is a, a tape was Kevin and Lowell talking about and demonstrating this incredibly strange device. Um, I bought a, a kind of modern copy of it, and I believe the daughter of the, the, the engineer from Manchester University who built the very first gizmo is in, is in the room tonight. John McConnell's daughter, um, welcome. And uh, just on behalf of everybody, what your, your, your dad created was something quite extraordinary. It's a crazy thing which we'll show you later. I don't want to give, go into too much detail at the moment. It creates the most otherworldly sound. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and this, we think, might be the, the first time the Gizmo's been played live since maybe 76 or something like that. So, so it's a... A nervous time for us all because it normally doesn't work. <laughs> Probably the first time live in Stockport, that's for sure. Um, but one of the reasons why the gizmo failed originally was it did stop working at strange times, so it could be in the middle of the next song or the song after, depending on which order you're doing it in. But, ladies and gentlemen, a piece of strawberry history now that will never be repeated. I'm going to hand over to the Sean and I. Thank you, everybody. I wanted to share 10 seconds of audio with you as well, Graeme. You'll laugh at this. This is um, Paul and me in a tiny rehearsal room battling with technology. Oh, yeah, with Gizmo. Not bad, Sean. You got a good tone there. Well, it was just that was a lucky day. <laughs> it didn't. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't behave as well as that on the night, unfortunately. <laughs> but, then, yeah. but, then, yeah. but then, nor did my fingers, to be completely no, that, honest. You know, I would never ever have the courage to use a gizmo live. Okay. <laughs> well, thank. It, it went well. Uh, it went well. It went down well with the geeks, Graham. Let's put it that way. Whether it sounded yeah. good or not, it, you know, it was the fact we'd yeah. done it, which was. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I was using one on something, something I'm doing with. Uh, well, I won't tell you about it unless mm. it actually happens. But anyway, wow. I've been using using one as well, and it's a very, as you know, a very temperamental. Uh, Piece of kit. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. We we did a little pub gig on Wednesday night and, and all it all it produced was just this scraping noise. Yeah, it's great. It does a great scraping noise, doesn't it? <laughs> it, it, it there's no way of actually you can press the, the you know the, the pad down. Yeah. And you don't know what you're gonna get. Yeah, that's it. That's it, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, it's a challenge. It is. It is. It, it's a stu it's a studio instrument, really, isn't it? But, it uh, is. Yeah. Well done, Sean, for having the bottle to uh, to play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, but I've learned it should only be played under laboratory conditions, definitely. Yes.
the strangest thing. We were talking about the gizmo before. This is it. It's weird, isn't it? Quite scratchy. Um, one of the most famous gizmo tracks of all time happens to be my favourite 10cc track on their very, very best album. Anyone know the track Old Wild Men? Okay. Thank you very much. Love is a dream, but I don't know what it is. 
another good friend of ours has come along to support us tonight and he's on a whistle stop tour he's getting back to the States soon and he's a genuine bona fide rock star now many bands recorded at Strawberry Studios, a lot of iconic Manchester bands is, that, is it just started working? many iconic Manchester bands recorded at Strawberry Studios but this band was, they're up there with the Smiths, the Stone Roses, because now coming onto the stage is my good friend Paul Ryder from the Happy Mondays! Hey, 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 John Barrett can talk for Stockport. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks. Now, Paul and the Happy Mondays worked at Strawberry. So my first question was going to be, can you remember working at Strawberry Studios? But really, this question is, Paul, can you remember the 80s? Just about. <laughs> Seriously. And I can't tell you any stories about Strawberry Studios. Is there children in the audience? Is there, is there any sort of um, non-sort of uh, after the watershed stories? Do you remember going down there? Can you remember being in the studio? Y yes, I do. And it was... Um, it was the first time in a proper studio and uh, it was just blew me away. Great atmosphere, um, great recording sounds and um, I never knew the gizmo was, uh, was from Strawberry Studios. Literally gizmos, yeah, yeah. real gizmos. Real gizmos. So, Rope for Luck, yeah. which is uh, the song that this next band are going to play, was, I don't think it was recorded at Strawberry, but it was definitely mixed at Strawberry by Martin. It was definitely mixed at Strawberry Studios by uh, Martin Hanna. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Can you remember working with Martin what that was like? Martin was uh, very quiet, very complex, and sometimes very funny. And Sounds very... like you. <laughs> Thank you. So, Martin worked with you on... How many, how many tracks did Martin do with you? Uh, he did a full album with us. He did like 12 tracks. Did he do Squirrel and Gina? Uh, no, the second album. Right, right, yeah. Bump. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Which is what Rope for Luck is from. Yeah. Do you remember making the video for Rope for Luck? Has anyone seen the video for Rope for Luck? Which they did in Legend. Yeah, it's not actually the Hacienda. It's a club called Legend. Legend, yeah. 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 And, uh, <laughs> You look like you're having a good time in that video. <laughs> the video is amazing. The track is amazing. Um, I mean, the, the, the Mondays were just a seminal band in that what, what you did, you just fused rock and funk and, and rhythms in a way that other indie bands have tried to replicate since, mm -hmm. but they've never really done it. Um, in its, and, and your bass playing, was uh, a testament to that. Don't you think so, ladies and gentlemen? Oh. Paul's an amazing bass Thank player. Thank you. His nickname, Ian Brown, uh, gave him the nickname Big Arm, which is um, because of his funky bass playing. And uh, he had a band himself called Big Arm, which uh, I was proud to be involved in at some time, trying to working on it in some way. So just tell us now, Paul, what are you up to at the minute? What's happening? Um, just doing Monday stuff at the moment, doing the last festival of the year on, in uh, Newcastle on the 28th, 26th of this month. And then we're back to do the uh, tour with James, playing at uh, Manchester Evening News Arena. Fantastic. Yeah. Get your tickets now, if you haven't already gone. And uh, are you going back to America at some point? On the 28th, day after the show. 
Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So this young band, I don't know how we're, get, we're getting on here. We're still there. Uh, oh, we. I, I still got. I'm mean, still allowed to talk. So Paul, you've actually lived in America for like the last few years. Is that right? That's right. Thirteen years. Yeah. It's been 13 years. What made you move out there? <laughs> the sunshine, cheap cigarettes, and cheap petrol. Is it like this? So how many times did you actually record in Strawberry? Can you remember? Um, I think we, we must have been five or six different sessions in Strawberry over the years. And uh, each time was fantastic. And, and uh, one of the engineers that were there was a guy called John Pennington, who was, uh, I think he was 17 years old when he worked on Road for Luck. And he's still a good friend of mine. Yeah, I know John, he's a great engineer, a great producer. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the thing about Strawberry, and uh, Tony Wilson, the late, great Tony Wilson, said that, you know, um, what 10cc had done, I can't do the full quote because it's got a naughty words in, but uh, what 10cc did by building a studio with Peter Tattersall in Stockport, of all places, as some might say, right, you know, on the doorstep of all the young Manchester bands, for them to be, he said that for, you know, Martin Hanna to be able to get his hands on all that sort of digital technology yeah. and to be able to then work on you know, albums like, you know, Bummed and obviously Joy Division. I mean, what he did with Joy Division yeah, on yeah. Unknown Pleasures. And that's thanks to Tennessee C, yeah. Strawberry yeah. Studios. Way ahead, yeah. way ahead of the time. Way ahead of the time. Yeah, way ahead of the time, yeah. And I think that idea that, you know, building something like that so that you don't have to go to London. The biggest thing, most important thing was, you know, you didn't have to get on a train. I mean, you probably recorded, in, you recorded all over the world. Mm -hmm. But the idea that you can, you know, go and be in a studio, but then you can go back home. Sometimes yes. I know that could be a that could be a great thing, especially when you're a young band yeah. and you know money's tight and everything. Uh -huh. That's that, that's a big consideration, isn't it? Yeah, I actually got the bus to Strawberry Studio as once. <laughs> that was that skin. Was it the 192? I think it might have been. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Kashmir. Hello. Hello. Great to meet you. We, we loved your sound check. Uh, and we especially, I'd like to hear more about the band and your interesting choice of material for tonight. We, we're fascinated yeah. to hear your reasons for choosing such a brave number, Mr. Drummer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, vocally. Yeah. Um, we kind of took what we had There was like a short list, and it was Donna or. Mandy Iron, was it? I'm oh, Mandy, Mandy Fine. Yeah. 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 This one's got a few less chords in. And yeah. 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 We thought, yeah, we thought this one would be a bit more straightforward to right. learn. Right. Obviously, vocally, it's pretty fun, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's alright, it's cool. It's good, we've, cool like, we've rehearsed so. it pretty well and sort of we've put it up a key, so we've got a capo on the second fret. So You've put Donna up a key. He, only for You're his. Mad. For his. I'm not singing it like. He does the lowering. We're not singing it like. Bloody. Donna. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Were you familiar with the song before? Nah. Honestly, I've, I've, I've heard it, but like I wasn't familiar with it. Like. Sure. I would have heard it at some point. You were, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I knew. Um, I don't know why I know it, but I think just over the years of. Being to, alive, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, I just, yeah. When I listen to it, I actually know this song. So, the thing about 10CC is that they had, you know, four different lead vocalists. So a lot of people may know songs and they don't yeah. put them all together. Yeah. This is yeah. the band that you listen to, like 
it's Dreadlock Holiday. Yes. And then you think, how on earth is this the same band as, yeah. as Donna? It's just, yeah. it's just crazy. It's just great musicians. Well, yeah, they yeah. Well, it's just they cover all bases, don't they? Mm. They were, plus the in-house engineer, and they own the studio. I mean, talk about a self-contained unit. Yeah. 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 So, um, what's your other tune today? Uh, it's Rope from Up by Happy Mondays. Mm. Uh, we chose that because, like, when we chose the, because uh, obviously we did a song for the record, and like the choices, like we didn't want to kind of just do. We thought that everyone would probably want to do a Joy Division song or something like that, so we thought we'd do like something a bit off the wall. <laughs> and we, we, we like that song. That really, song Joe used to like listen to that all the time when we were a bit younger. Um, so we thought, yeah, and then we recorded it with our mates in Fuzzy Sun in the, in the room next door to our band room. Mm. Um, and then we just we only started practicing that as a band like the other day, and it just sounded mint, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. It's a bit more produced, like we've got a backing track for it with a lot of like... Yeah, we noticed that. Synthesizers yeah. and you're triggering those, are you? Yeah, from it's got everything that's on the recording that we did for the record. So yeah, it's, it's got it's, like synth bass and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? That's the yeah. kind of song that emulates more our yeah, artistic style. Of it's more of, us, more of a bit of us, that. Yeah, Brilliant. yeah. Tell us about Kashmir and what you're about. Um, I don't know really, kind of, we're, we're just kind of... A synthy band, aren't we? It's like a yeah. proper glittery synthy, like. But we've always kind of, we don't, we've always kind of had these synthy songs, but we've all, at the same time not never wanted it to be this kind of just, just synthy kind of twinkly indie <clears> band. We've always had a kind of, a, we've always wanted it to sound like stadium sized or quite kind of. The guitars have always been quite rocky alongside yeah. alongside the synth, so it's not just kind of like, mm. you know, we didn't want to sound like Bossoms, do you know what I mean? We wanted to sound like mm. us. Yeah. So we took a lot of stuff from our past and kind of merged the two together so it's kind of always been like this kind of rockier version of synth pop really. That's interesting, I don't see a synth player on stage though. No, we, we, we do have like a... We've got a session guy that comes and does stuff with us, like when we go on tour and whatnot, but the thing is like a lot of the songs Joe writes it on a synth and then write a hook or a yeah, yeah. cool chord progression or whatever and then we'll build around it with guitars and then if our session player is free, he'll come and tour with us. If he's not, we just yeah. put him on the backing track. <laughs> yeah. We try and not do that because we don't want to be a band of a guitar band and then everyone's like, where's that melody coming from? <laughs> do you know what I mean? If yeah. you've got all your hooks and stuff on a bloody computer, it's a bit of a cop out. Or like 10cc having it all on backing tapes. <laughs> they cheat. <laughs> and they even had massive tape reels yeah, as yeah. a backdrop going round to say yeah, we're yeah. cheating you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well, I do well, think people have that these. <laughs> 100 SPD. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I do think people have these negative connotations for using the backing track, like the non-authenticity. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, authenticity, I can't say it again, so that first We know time. exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, and yeah. I think at the, at the end of the day, our size band, we've kind of just got to do what we've got to do to get it out and like yeah, obviously absolutely. if we had the luxury of being a humongous band that could afford to have several synth players and we would yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. it shouldn't limit our we'd creativity we'd probably have like two if we could yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like a synth player and then a somebody else triggering yeah if you think back to the ultimate synth band arguably Human League yeah. It, yeah. it was just a couple of guys with a tape machine right yeah. in the middle of the of the stage mm. and it was obvious they just went literally they went like that they pressed play and then yeah, play along yeah. with it. Yeah, it was yeah. part of the, I mean, that's like the experience. So what's wrong with that? that wasn't it? You know, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Yeah. Speak, speaking of playing, when can we see, when and where can we see Kashmir um, in the near future? Um, well, we're going to be promoting heavily our gig to like 
tonight that we're playing the 30th of October at Grilla in Manchester. That's our, our biggest headline like show we've had. And then we're doing London the day before that. Yeah. And then Glasgow. Glasgow on the 23rd of October. Then we go to Germany in November um, for four four dates. Fantastic. Well, best of luck. You're life. busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels busy, busy again. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. nice to be busy again, yeah. right? Just, yeah, yeah. Because uh, it's just literally almost two years of yeah. nothing. It's, it's quite surreal that it's happening again. It's been rubbish, and then it's been rubbish. Apart from the writing and recording, that's the yeah, only thing that's sort of benefited, have, isn't it? We've pro- pretty much stayed rehearsing pretty much the whole time. Mm. So, like at the start of lockdown, we got a, a new rehearsal space. Been there for like a year now, and then uh, we've just been there like twice a week writing, just. Hanging out, coming up with ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When it's legal or whatever. Writing by Zoom, (laughs) joy of joys. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. like we've been a bit like this past weekend's been super busy. We did a, we did a gig in Blackpool on Friday, which was mint, and then we did a like acoustic show in Tilsley, sort of near Wigan Way. No, well, Um, (laughs) which was alright. And then on Sunday we were like we were shooting a music video all day. We just sort of proper DIY'd it. Got our friends to come and bring his camera and just film every possible moment. Yeah. And then Joe's been editing it up the last few days, haven't you? Yeah, it's good. It's just kind of like, we used to do it all the time. Like, the videos cost us 50 quid. Do you know what I mean? And that's 50 quid to pay Dom for him to come and film And what's it. the name of that track? Tonight, it comes out. Tonight, uh, <laughs> yeah. o'clock. Brilliant. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, that's so, a new single, basically. Right, so watch it on what, YouTube? Uh, uh, well, the video will be on YouTube next week. Um, but the song will be on like every streaming platform at yeah. midnight tonight. So. A matter of four and a half hours or what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's really exciting. Chaps, thanks ever so much. And no, good, thanks for good luck tonight. We'll, uh, we'll you too, promise so. not to trash the stage for you yeah. after our set. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because we're, you know, rock and roll. Rock and roll We're old enough to be rock and rollers. But, uh, <laughs> it's uh, it, it's going to be great tonight. Yeah, yeah definitely. Thanks for having us. Cheers. Thanks so much. Thank you. See ya. All the way from Otherton. Kashmir.
as well as Strawberry Studios, Stockport is what we're all about. And there's nothing better than this little ditty. Where's Phil Neely? He's meant to be singing along here. Where are you, Neely? Where are you? Get up here and get this song doing. But let's get it up there, Joe, because he's going to be wasting too much time and I'm getting moaned at. Get it on the screen. Get the, get the light off. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, you can see the words. From the Pennines to Lansdowne. But if you ask my favorite place of all, the answer is hard to comprehend. Come on, everybody! I'm going back to Stockport. There's no event can be. Come on now! That's right, I tell you, Stockport. Listening to the Consequences podcast, produced by Paul McNulty and Sean McCreevy. Thanks for listening.